Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth. Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it is so good to have you joining us here today. The story we are about to tell is a compelling one. It involves a sweet little eight-year-old. Her name is Riley, and uh, we're going to talk with her mother about uh, the journey they've been on since the beginning of January of 2022, uh, having to do with vaccine injury. I've got Jennifer Jones uh, on the podcast with me today. Jennifer, welcome to the Dearly Discarded podcast. Hi, Jared. Thank you for having me on today. Really Um, happy to really happy to have you. Thank you for joining me. I know that uh, life, our lives are all busy. And uh, so everybody that's listening, uh, we sure appreciate having you. And uh, certainly uh, being the mother of uh, an injured child must have uh, really turned your world upside down. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, Riley so that we can get this started. Um, my name is Jennifer. I am a mom of two. I have a seven-year-old as well, and we live out in Dinwiddie County, Virginia, which is south of Richmond. Uh, we actually live on a farm, and we lived a normal country-style life. Um, Riley is my eight-year-old daughter um, who was vaccine injured this year. She um our plan this year was to start out with um, getting braces. Sorry, my brain is fried. Um, getting braces. Well, our plans kind of took a really big plunge um, in February when we, when our daughter woke up a different person. And so I uh, brought us down the road of figuring out what was wrong with her. Um, We didn't realize at the time that we didn't put all this together at the time, Um, but we've had an extensive hospital visit process over the last three or four months since February 15th. It ended April 21st. And um, Riley, during that process, it started with a psychosis episode and blackouts and fainting. Uh, It progressed on further to her losing ability to feel her limbs. Um, She had ringing in her ears. Her fingers were tingly. Um, Her veins, she would feel tingling in them. There were lots of things that happened to Riley. For the first three weeks, you couldn't touch her. Um, She went into a psych unit. Um, She's had numerous tests, which have all come back clear. Um, She lost her ability to walk um, uh, on March the 23rd. And then on April the 5th, she lost her ability to sensation of urine. And um, she slowly started to stabilize, thank God. And she is actually starting to recover now. So her uh, initial uh, injection was January 6th, I believe you said. And that was one Pfizer shot, not both that she Correct. ended up having, right? Yes. Um, thank the Lord. 
And you initially, uh, when you were seeing these symptoms, especially the psychosis, I have to imagine as a mother, that was a pretty uh, difficult thing to, to manage. Um, what, what, what were your thoughts in terms of what might be going on? What type of um, information were you getting from <laughs> hospitals or doctors? Uh, what were they saying? Yeah. So we went down the road of psychosis and being like a trauma and things like that. So we went and combed our lives and we went to school and requested a meeting with principals and tried to see if there was anything going on at school that we didn't know about. Um, we, they put her in the psych unit and she um, had to come up, you know, she came up with traumas. Um, they actually called CPS on me because I drove to her dad drove too fast in a car. And um, apparently I'm her six-year-old sister is killing her, which she was six at the time. Um, and apparently I popped her in her mouth a couple of years ago. So they caught, those were her traumas because um, they were thinking she had a dysregulated mood disorder. So mm. that was the first thing. And then when we got her home, they kept her for three weeks. When we got her home, the same thing happened again took her right back. This, they could, they took her again for a few days. This time they said, well, maybe it's operational defiance disorder or ODD. Mm -hmm. My child has never been defiant. Not ever. She's been very, very sweet and teacher's pet all-star, like just loved life, loved her friends, loved dance, the whole, like loved vacation, loves, just loved everything. It was, it's just totally not, something that I would say for Riley. Then we go on and we get more diagnosis. Well, more opinions. How about that? We won't say right. diagnoses. We'll say opinions because when we went up to Johns Hopkins, they also, um, they were the first ones to tell me functional neurological disorder. VCU never told me that. Johns Hopkins says it's written all over her chart. And I said, well, I didn't know that because they never told me that it was F and D. They were trying to figure out a diagnosis. Uh, they were still trying, even though the F and D is an actual real diagnosis. And I said, no, I don't believe it's F and D either. I just don't believe it because of all the other tests that she's having, plus the symptoms are progressing. And I just, it just didn't make sense to me because she has, um, she had inflammation. She had a positive ANA. She had white blood cells in her urine. Red blood cell counts were high. Her, um, a lot of her vitamin levels were out of whack. Um, the platelet count was low. Like there was a lot of things. The cellular size was off. There was a lot of things that were off. I didn't know that at the time. I know that now. Right. Um, <laughs> so then as you progress through these various, uh, you know, you went to, I believe, four different hospitals. Then you ended up at VCU and then Johns Hopkins. Um, when did you start to wonder or start to believe that maybe the vaccine had something to do with this? Once I got the note, once I, um, got the F and D diagnosis is when I really started researching and like, what is F and D first of all, uh -huh. because I hadn't heard it, like everything they're telling me I'm researching. So I'm backtracking them. Like when they told me she had dysregulated mood, I looked it up. Well, you have before they can diagnose you with that, you have to have a dysregulated mood for 12 months. She mm. doesn't have a 12. So you can't have that. Right. ODD is not common for anyone under 12. So like I kept 
going back, trying to back into because it just didn't make sense. It, I, when you know something's wrong with your child, you just know. I can't explain how I know that something I just know my child was different and that something went terribly wrong. And it was right after anesthesia. So I feel like something within all of that, it just hit her immune system. She's had pneumonia twice since then. And she, like I said, the um, positive ANA and all that stuff, like, and she was just really like, she had brain fog. She had memory loss. She couldn't tell you her name. She couldn't tell you who she was, where she was, why she was there, nothing. She walked like she was drunk when she could walk. Uh, It was extremely disturbing, extremely. So with the FND diagnosis and your dive into the internet to try and figure out what that means, what did you find that made you start connecting dots back to the vaccine? I found that when I would show people the test results from different, from the different Facebook groups of functional neurological disorder. And I asked actual people that have real diagnosis of FND, I asked them, would you have normal blood results or would they be something wrong? And they said they would normally have all normal blood results that there wouldn't be. And like, I would show them some of the test results and they would be like, yep, that's vaccine. That's definitely like vaccine. And so I ended up going to New York. Um, I saw a New York doctor and he diagnosed her with SFN, small fiber neuropathy. And that made more sense to me because her sensation, the numbing and tingling and stuff with her back and having gone from sensation to zero sensation, like she had no sensation, none at all from the waist down. And she couldn't hold her weight. She was not weight, weight, weight bearing at all. So she had a wheelchair, like she was in a wheelchair for a while. And um, (laughs) it was just, there's so much trauma, not drama, trauma. There was, there was so much trauma. Like I've tried to block some of it out, but, um, pretty much that's kind of where, what, what happened. So the doctor in New York recommended IVIG and that, and IVIG, well, we've done a lot of things. IVIG is just the latest. We've done a lot of things to get Riley back to normal. So the IVIG had though, has been a success for her. Absolutely. hundred percent. How often does she need to do that? Once a week. Okay. And how long has she been doing that? She just had her fourth infusion, third or fourth. It started on on the 18th and each week after. So I think it was the third. third. But in those three weeks, there's been a significant improvement? Yes, absolutely. 100%. What else was recommended for you then? And Um, what else is Oh, yes. So in April... After we went to see this New York doctor, um, we found results of celiac disease. So she tested for, um, so because of that test, he said she definitely has celiac now, Hmm. which we fit, which we know now that she doesn't, she doesn't have celiac because we did another test that says, no, she doesn't have it. So this is the kind of things that I've been doing. This is where it is. Like I've been getting up and down answers this entire time. One person will say something and someone else will say something else. It's been very confusing to me. Um, But anyway, the gluten is what stopped the episodes, the blackouts. After I removed gluten, GMO, and organic food from Riley, I mean, non-organic from Riley, um, 
her episode stopped immediately within day, within a few days. Oh, they were wonderful. they were gone. Okay. And we know now you can always look back at things, but we know now that food was playing a huge factor. Sure. And it it took um it took a while to get that because because I also talked to people that had pandas. You asked me how did I come down this road because yeah. I started out with the pandas because um I know that's a um controversial diagnosis as well as pandas. And that's um that's how I got into the Facebook train, right? Because I was looking up pandas at first. Gotcha. And for people that don't know anything about pandas, because it's not, I don't think it's common uh, knowledge. Tell us a little bit about why you thought it might be that and what that is. Well, pandas is, um, it's, it starts out as in a psychosis like that, but it usually happens after a strep infection that goes untreated. And that's how you would get pandas. Um, And it would have these similar rage sessions and the um, psychosis and disassociations and all of that. It would have that and and there are other children that like that. So that's what brought me down the pandas. Of course, she tested negative for the streptococcus, so she never had strep. So that kind of ruled out pandas. But I have also heard that it could have already been in the brain and that it's not going to show on an encephalitis test. I so I don't know. I don't I I don't know. I don't know that we'll ever know what, so- what was really I want to talk a little bit more about her recovery because she's, you know, before the video started, she got a little nervous and decided not to join us. But I've been able to, you know, notice that she's up and moving around and looking like uh, pretty much a normal kid at this point, at least from what I can see. Yes. Which is fantastic. So then the question would be, uh, what else besides the IVIG that have have you had success with? I want to get into that for sure. But I want to ask one other question first before we jump into that. And that would be. When you when you got the small fiber uh, diagnosis, small fiber neuropathy, um, that's a very, very common diagnosis. In fact, it might be the most common diagnosis I'm hearing from people I'm interviewing, you know, with um, with these vaccine injuries. You got that you uh, piece together that the that it was a vaccine, the vaccine, uh, the, the Pfizer one that that created all of this. Um, what did you think at that moment? I mean, did you feel like you were all alone? This was like this super rare thing. Did you already know that there were other people that had been vaccine injured? Where were you at in that that part of the process? I was in denial. Okay, I just couldn't believe that this is happening to me because I don't feel very rare. I feel right now. I feel like I've been living in a twilight zone because I just can't believe that this has happened to my child. That I, I never in a million years would have thought that this happened, that this would have happened to us. And so once you did uh, recognize that it had to do with a vaccine, uh, what led you? Because now you're a member of React 19, which is how I got in touch with you. Um, React 19, if, if you're listening for the first time right now, React 19 is an organization of about 40,000 members of people who have been injured uh, by uh, one or uh, one of the COVID shots uh, from all four of the different uh, vaccines that are out there. And uh, every every member is either injured or a family member of someone who is injured or or killed. And so the question is, you you went from denial. Um, this this can't be the vaccine. This couldn't be happening to me. 
to, I guess, at some point acceptance uh, that that's what was going on. What flipped the trigger there? When, was it discovering other vaccine injuries or what did you find that uh, led you to this point to react 19? It was the other people that were vaccine injured that had kept talking to me and they kept telling me, you know, cause I kept saying, no, that's not, it's just not, it's, it's, it's my imagination. Like this is just not, maybe it's just a psychological problem. And they kept telling me, nope, it's not, it's not, she's gone. She's had all these other small, these other things happen that they've had happen to. And she, they just kept telling me like, it's not. And I had people validating me that had also had F and D diagnoses and they were, and they would look at the results and they're like, they would just say, yeah, they're, they're gaslighting you. They're absolutely gaslighting you. Hmm. It took me like forever to believe that. And then uh, when you did discover that there were so many others that had been injured, what was your reaction at that point? I cried because it's just sad. It's, I didn't realize that there are so many people out here um, and their stories are just like mine. They've been through hospital at hospital, hospital at hospital, and people just tell them it's functional neurological disorder. That's what they're told all the time. Yeah, they get the same message. I've heard that over 80% of the members of react 19 uh, were diagnosed with a mental health problem, uh, anxiety being the primary one that, uh, yeah. that most have. So at, at that point, did you, um, did you report, uh, this injury to anyone? Did you uh, fill out a VARES report or anything like that? I did February in okay. February and in, in late, late February, I think. Okay. Okay, so after you filed the VAERS report, uh, did you hear from uh, Pfizer? Did you hear from uh, the CDC? Uh, what, what came of that? Um, <clears throat> they did return my call the next day, but they just wanted to know uh, what hospitals had I been to. And they said that they would get back with me. Was that the and CDC? I've not heard any. That was VAERS. That was VAERS, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they um, they said they would get back with me, but they never did. Okay. I've never received a phone call from anyone. And have you heard from Pfizer at all? No. Okay. All right. So then once, uh, is there anything else? I'll just ask you this way. Is there anything else about the journey uh, in terms of the discovery of what was going on uh, that, you, that you'd like to share with those who are listening right now before we move on to the next question? Um, I think uh, mother's instinct has a lot to say and that if you see something different in your child, you should speak up and don't give up on your kid and don't let others make you feel like you are wrong when you know something's wrong because um, it's, it's a scary place to be when you're, you don't know what's wrong. And I don't wish this on my worst nightmare. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it sounds incredibly challenging to say the least. Okay. So then let's get back to the hopeful side of this because it's really exciting. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really excited to talk to you about specifically um, is the fact that Riley is now doing so well. Um, many of the interviews that I've had, many of the people that I've met who've been injured are still really, really struggling. Uh, some have not made much progress at all. Others have made a lot of progress. 
but Riley, like I said uh, before, she looks great uh, near as I can tell. <laughs> Obviously, it was a two minute uh, little quick, if that, maybe a minute on the uh, on the Zoom call. But she looks like she's doing very well. So talk to me a little yeah. bit about you know, what that progress has looked like and what you've had to do to get her to this point. Okay. Well, number one, we fast every day. Um, we fast for 16 hours a day. So she eats for eight hours a day. Um, that's number one. Okay. Super important. We removed uh, gluten from her food intake. We've removed non-GMO uh, or GMOs from her mm -hmm. diet, all GMOs. And I have to be organic. Okay. And so... Um, we also have her on a several vitamins that uh, there's at least eight of them, I would say, that she that she was on um, prior to the IVIG. That is the latest treatment. And the, the diet, you said, made a huge difference. Did that happen pretty quickly Absolutely. that you started noticing a big difference? Within days. We okay. noticed that she was, and it was diet and vitamins and, and fasting. And what vitamin supplements, if you don't mind, because I know those who are listening, who, who are struggling are very interested in what other injured people are using. She's on several, um, glutathione is one. Let's see. Um, uh, she's on a probiotic, a multivitamin, okay. <clears throat> uh, thorn, I'm not sure. Quercetin, liquid EFA, homocysteine, Supreme, just to name a few. Liquid B, B complex. Okay. Sarah Gold, which is supposed to break down the spike protein. And that's Sarah Peptase, right? Uh, if you look on the back yeah. of the label. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, correct. I told you glutathione, vitamin uh -huh. D, iron. Can I ask really quickly, uh, which, which uh, glutathione are you using? Because glutathione, uh, I've heard hit and miss on different supplements out there for glutathione. This one right here with my camera right there. Oh. Um, it's the pure... Pure encapsulation. Okay. Um, so it's pure. All right. And um, that... let's see. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um. Oh, super EFA liquid. Mm -hmm. We have to do. It looks. Um, I haven't tried this one yet. Chlorella. I haven't done okay. this yet. So I don't know. I've actually talked to a couple that. of people who've used the chlorella and had some good success with that too. So interesting. You'll have to let me know how that goes. So yeah, did you start that one? Did you start the supplements at the same time as you started the, the diet and fasting? Within a week, yes. Within a week. Okay. So it's a little hard to know yeah. exactly. And I what... had done like oh I'm sorry. 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 One second. Just I had done over the counter vitamins but these are specifically from a functional doctor right so probably a little because i wasn't he said you i wasn't getting you know everything i needed out of the store-bought stuff right yeah 
All right. Yeah. And I don't, you don't know this about me, I don't think, but my background is as a health food store owner. So I am uh, very familiar with supplements. And so I'm always curious, yeah, what people are using. Um, and uh, th- I've had actually very good response from many people that I've talked to with glutathione, with the chlorella, uh, the omega-3s, I think are really big. Um, probiotics make a big difference because the gut seems to just get hammered with these things. So uh, yeah, that's all really uh, really useful information for people listening, I believe. Okay. So then, uh, when did you actually start the diet changes, the gluten, the removal of the gluten and the GMOs, the fasting, all that stuff? Um, our whole debacle started February 15th, April the 7th is when we removed gluten from her diet. It took us a good couple of days you know, probably a week or so from the 7th of April to get a hundred percent because you have to throw out everything in your refrigerator and start over because you change your entire life around. So I spent probably $1,500 in food that week alone to replace everything I had. Um, because I went to a straight to a, a natural organic store. I mean, I was serious about getting my child back better. I, 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 I was hard. Yeah, well, and you've the only way you can approach this, in in my view, anyway, and and actually my last interview that I did, um, with a uh, a gentleman uh, Matthew Matlock who is on the previous episode uh, to this one, uh, he said, yeah, you've got to be um, ag- aggressive about recovering and go all in. So I, I and I believe that uh, wholeheartedly based on what I've seen. The people that I and we did. Uh, talking to that are getting really good results or being very aggressive about it and, and really taking matters into their own hands. And of course you want to do things that are, uh, that you've researched that you, you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and that kind of thing. But yeah. Then once you have done the research, yeah, you gotta, you gotta go all in. And I, I admire you for being willing to make those major adjustments is that dietary adjustments are, are difficult. Uh, uh, intermittent Absolutely, fasting they is were. challenging, uh, removing, you know, uh, genetically modified foods is a lot harder than people might think. You may have, you may have no idea how much of your kitchen is full of GMOs and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think that's uh, fantastic. Yeah. So then in that two months, since you made, since you kind of finalized all those changes, um, what has the progress looked like? Has it been a pretty straight climb towards a recovery or has it been pretty bumpy? Yeah, it, it like? has. It has been an upward. She stabilized late, early May. She stabilized. Uh, the 5th of May was the last time she went to the hospital and she went for pneumonia. Um, that was her second time getting pneumonia. She went. Um, <clears throat> he went to the hospital again after that, but it was for chest pains and shortness of breath. And so we thought maybe it was something else with the chest going on. And thankfully it wasn't. So Good. the doctor says he believes it's musculoskeletal pain, nerves. He says part of demyelination. Mm-hmm. I, you know, she still has some of that stuff going on, just not as intense. <clears throat> What do you believe about her recovery? Do you believe that she'll make a full recovery? I do, 100%. That's awesome. I also believe that God healed my daughter um, through prayer. I believe that there were so many people praying, and God put so many people in our lives that helped us heal her. I do believe that, 100%. 
God had a hand in it. My my husband never ever grew worry weary and uh he just prayed for our daughter all the time continuously. Excellent. Well, I I admire your um your strength during this time. You know, I have a nine-year-old is my youngest. And so we're right there kind of in the same boat as far as ages go, or at least uh, with one of yeah. our children anyway. And, you know, he's thank goodness, healthy as a horse, he's doing great. And, uh, and of course, as he's not received the, the vaccines. Um, but he, I can't even imagine being in your shoes. I've never been in that position. Uh, I can't imagine the helplessness that you probably felt early on the frustration, confusion, and all the other things that went along. You know, I keep doing these interviews. I've now interviewed and talked to uh, well over 20 different uh, uh, people who've been injured by these vaccines. And unfortunately, the stories are just incredibly similar uh, in terms of, you know, what people have been able to gain from uh, medicine, whether or not doctors would actually uh, even consider a diagnosis of a vaccine injury, you know, all of those types of things. And then what most people end up with is a doctor uh, who is more in the functional medicine realm, someone who already saw holes in the vaccine agenda and uh, is willing to actually look past the, you know, medical dogma about this. And I guess that's what happened when you found your doctor in New York. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he wrote on his diagnosis that it was because of this um, Pfizer vaccine or either the anesthesia. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I, the story is compelling, but the best part about it is, I was so excited to see Riley look like such a healthy kid, uh, you know, when she popped on yeah. the camera, because unfortunately, I don't see much of that in these interviews. You know, I see a lot of people in wheelchairs and a lot of people that are really, really struggling. So uh, thank God, thank you for doing the work that you've had to do as a mother to get through this mess uh, for Riley. Uh, she appears to be doing incredibly well, which I hope for those of you listening, particularly those of you who are experiencing or have experienced an injury yourself or you're experiencing it with a family member or a friend or loved one, um, I hope that you can find some hope in this and recognize that there is a path towards healing because I personally believe that our bodies are incredibly resilient machines. And if we take the things out that don't belong and we put back in the things that do, um, such as <clears throat> what we were talking about with the dietary changes, the supplementation and that kind of thing, our bodies are quite adept at healing themselves. And, uh, it's such a relief uh, to hear that Riley is doing as well as she is. That's just wonderful, wonderful news. Yes, thank you very much. It, I, I'm grateful for my functional doctor. Grateful. Yeah. So then what, before I let you go, I'm just going to ask you, you, you decided to do this episode of the podcast, um, put this story out there, and yet your daughter is doing quite well, appears to be on the road to recovery. Why do you want to still share this message? What do you hope to gain out of people hearing your story? I don't, I, I need them to think twice. I really want them to look at Riley and think of their own kid and realize that uh, this can happen to them. Um, I didn't feel very rare when this happened to us. And I have watched my daughter completely change. I've watched her not be able to 
um, urinate without wetting herself and have to go through diapers for two months. I have, um, I have watched um, just a lot of, of really awful things occur with my child, and I just want to uh, get this message out to as many parents as I can. Like my goal would be for other parents in my with similar children's ages of mine so that they didn't have to experience this because it really breaks my heart to think of children that may present similarly to Riley, but their parents didn't know how to navigate a health system. Um, I'm fortunate in that sense because I do work for healthcare myself, so mm -hmm. I knew how to navigate through them. And I think that's part of the reason I was successful. I also work in tech. So I think being able to navigate the Internet was very helpful as well. And not every parent is that is able to do that as well. And so just get this out to as many people as possible because it's very real and it's very scary. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to share your story. I believe every one of these stories needs to be heard and uh, we want to get the word out to as many people as we possibly can. So for you listening, I'll tell you what I always do uh, at the end of every podcast. Uh, don't be silent. Open your mouth. Share these stories. Share this podcast. Let's get the word out so that more parents can avoid the potential pitfalls uh, that they could come into with these uh, experimental uh, vaccines. And let's live a healthier, more open, less censored life. Let's get that information out there so that people can uh, have the informed consent that they need and so that they can make better decisions for their health and their children's health. And for all of you who have been injured, uh, there is hope. We can rebuild and strengthen and uh, do the kind of uh, work that Riley has done uh, with uh, with her parents' help. And it's uh, such a joy. I, I have a hard time not smiling about it because she just looked so good when I saw her. And it was so exciting. So thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate you very much. Uh, we're going to get this episode out right away and uh hopefully uh your voice will get heard uh by the people that need to hear it i hope so thank you again for having me all right so we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the dearly discarded podcast i know these episodes can be heavy some of them have been heavier than others this one i think has quite a bit of lightness at the end because uh, of the uh, progress that riley's making and i hope that that helps uh, you feel more hope uh, for all of these people who belong to the group of the dearly discarded thank you so much for joining me i'm jared st Clair, and this has been the dearly discarded podcast thank you for listening to the dearly discarded podcast we encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family it's time for these stories to not only be told but to be heard for more information head to react19.org and dearly discardedpod.com the dearly discarded podcast is produced by jared st Clair and michaela hyde with support from react 19 We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind, seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, open your mouth. Silence won't change anything. React.
Act 19 need your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible, and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information, or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text. 